Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can in turn inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I'm your running host, Dean Thompson. Back by popular demand is Run for God. God founder Mitchell Hollis. Thanks for having me, Dean. <laughs> well, you were on vacation a couple of weeks ago. I was. We kind of did a short little podcast in between about yeah. the the weekend that we're right. racing and all. Um, how did how did that uh, vacation go? It went good. We actually had a. Uh, it just so happened the weekend we were down there, we were at my in laws, and uh, there was a five k down there, and so I thought. We'll go run the 5K. And, of course, Lane ran it and Landon ran it. But my son Landon, he's my youngest. He's the woodworker, hunter, doesn't really care for running, hasn't ran in almost two years. And so I, I talked Landon into running with us. And I thought, you know, I've been – I've kind of gotten back into running. I, I may have to pull Landon along. We'll, we're running about halfway through. Now, remember, Landon hasn't run in probably two years of any consistency. And – uh he said, how far have we been? I said, about a mile and a half. And I'm thinking, he's about to start dragging. No. He says, okay. And he just pulls away from me <laughs> and just takes off and runs a 25-minute 5K. And I'm like, oh, to be young again. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that was a pretty – yeah, it was cool. It was a nice weekend down there. We were in the panhandle of Florida, and it was nice. Yeah, I tried to ask Landon. I said, so does this mean you're going to run cross-country now? And he looked at me like, No. And then this past weekend he ran twenty three something. So yeah, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna have to work on him. I'll tell you to, to get him in there because he's he's good at it. He um, is. He Landon just doesn't like anything structured. Yeah. You know he loves to fish, but he doesn't really want to be on the fishing team. Yeah. Um, he likes to run every now and then. He just don't want to be told when to run. So <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I think we need to we need to work on him. Uh, it was interesting. We, we had Darren Lewis here a couple of weeks ago. I've had a lot of comments about that particular podcast. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. And Darren, you know, we had our 5K at the in Dalton this past weekend where a lot of the Run Club members were there. I was more impressed by Darren Lewis than anybody I saw finish. Darren ran a 20-44 this past weekend. Yes, he did. And we said that that course for that time bracket was probably 45 seconds yeah slow and darren's had a goal out there of breaking 20 i think if that would have been on the road he would have broke 20 which yeah. we won't tell darren's age did darren tell his age i don't remember he but well, we won't tell it on he's here, older than me he's older than you so he's one of the old guys yeah. in my mind but to run that fast that's that's incredible yeah. that it really is yeah and to see he's getting faster and faster the older he gets it so was good to uh, see he kudos was, he, to Darren he seemed to be genuinely surprised by it too afterwards he was like he I don't know where that came he from he did really yeah because he even said in the podcast that since he started the marathon challenge that he's kind of put the the goal of breaking 20 on the shelf and he needs to find a he needs to find a 5k in the next few weeks and yeah hit that goal because I think he can yeah yeah you know sometimes you read something and you can just feel the excitement in it and this week, we're going to share another very short story, but it paints a really full picture. And then, let me ask you this question. How long do you think the longest burning light bulb in the United States has been burning? 
would you think 10 years maybe? You think there's been a light bulb that's burned 10 years? Maybe 20 years? Well, this week's Dean's Thoughts will tell you exactly how long that is. So, this week's episode is brought by to us by another sponsor, mm-hmm. another Run for God sponsor. These sponsors are fantastic. I think you have used these folks, right? I have Personally. for both of my boys. Right. Um, Smile Doctors Orthodontics. Um, is one of our sponsors and to me they're the best choice for braces around it's a it's a fun playful environment that takes all the stress out of braces the workers there are very caring and they work towards each patient's specific needs until they're complete Uh, your consultation is free and they will examine exactly what needs to be done for you personally Uh, so if you're interested in getting braces or you've got kids around uh, the cool thing about smile doctors they're in a lot of different places Mm -hmm. Uh, so find your local smile doctors now and get your free consultation we really you know and if you're out there and you own a business and you're interested in this shoot us an email reach out to us um, because without without these sponsors we just can't do what we do so thank you to smile doctors yeah amen and here is a facebook post from actually this has now been a little while back but it's a it's very instructive interest it's actually two facebook posts mm-hmm. and i want to compare and contrast the two so the first one is from jim stimson it's from april the third at 703 p.m and it said he said what a perfect morning for my long run temp was 71 degrees at the start had a really good run thank you lord and then he posted a photo with this one that showed it was 97 degrees in lake havasu so he was illustrating just how hot it was Mm -hmm. it was okay it was nice and then it was really 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 hot and then on basically around the same time two days before emily Emily Coleman Chandler posted this 24 degrees feels like 18 but a busy day means the workout must be done before sunrise (laughs) sounds like weather in the south (laughs) it does doesn't it yeah Uh, we can have both of those weathers almost in the same week sometimes around here right you're absolutely right but it just illustrates a few things which I thought were kind of cool uh, first, uh, to me, it illustrates the fact we live in a really interesting country yeah. where we can have those kinds of extremes close together in the same country. Uh, but it also illustrates and underscores just what different backgrounds all of the folks in Run Club come from. Mm-hmm. And that's weather is one thing, but there's so many other things. Sure, We are so diverse as a group, and I just think that's really cool to see that. We, we hear a lot of talk about diversity these days. <clears throat> That's true diversity. These people, we, we're all different. We come from different backgrounds, and we, but we all have one thing in common, and it's running. And we all love it. You know, I talked about that Saturday night. Of course, we had a uh, we had a dinner for all the Run Club members who came to Dalton this past weekend, and and that really stuck out to me. Saturday night, I, I was telling the group um, we had about almost two hundred people uh, for for dinner. That was pretty cool to see. But I said, you know. I feel like this is a picture of heaven, this room tonight. I said we've got different shapes, sizes, colors, abilities, backgrounds, ethnicities. We've got it all in this one room, and we're but we're all here for one common goal. It's because we all love running, and we all love Jesus. Yeah. And I said, that's, that's just a picture of heaven. I even kind of joked about, you know, we've got so many different denominations here. And during the, you know, the praise and worship, you could – 
you could see the charismatic ones in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. And uh and it was just cool that, you know, some people had their hands down, some people had their hands up, and it was just uh it was just awesome to watch. Yeah, here's a it, I think a cool picture is the thought of the beginning of the race, right? Sure. You you know the beginning of a race, you watch and and as that whole group just kind of all heads out in that same direction with the same purpose, maybe different goals, but the same purpose. It's just like our running toward the cross, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Picture all of those people also doing the same thing but running toward the cross. That's what we're doing every yeah, day. Yeah, and the fact that some of us get there before others. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I say all the time, it, I don't say it all the time, but I have said that running, it doesn't matter how fast you are. It's mm-hmm. the fact that you cross the finish line. And, you know, those that go on before us and finish, you know, Hebrews 12, 1 says that they're the cloud of witnesses. They're there cheering us on coming in. And I don't know. That's why I love the sport of running and, and how it relates to our walk with Christ. And, and this weekend, man, you know, I know we talked about it in last week's episode, but it was just an awesome weekend to be yeah. a part of. Yeah, it was. Well, we had a trivia question from a couple of weeks ago. And so I want to give the answer to that question because last week we didn't share a right. trivia question. So. So let me let me share that. Um, we we don't talk about cross country very much, um, but it's a great sport, and you know because you've mm-hmm. seen the kids running, sure. and I've seen so many people go to their first cross country race and go, "Wow, that was so much more impressive than I thought it would be." Mm-hmm. Um, there has only been one American guy and two American women who have ever won the World Cross Country Championships. Who are they? And of course, we've got we got some correct answers. And uh, the the male that did it was Craig Virgin. Craig Virgin um, was a, a crazy good cross country runner. I have actually talked with Craig Virgin on the phone a few times. Hmm. Um, really, really interesting guy. Uh, he has a real passion for running and runners. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but Craig's a, Craig's a good guy. Um, the United States has never won the team title on the men's side, uh, but they've been second. They were second five times in the 80s. And then in 2013, they hadn't sniffed the podium in years. And in 2013, they had this team that just ran this incredible race and finished and finished second runner up. It was I mean, it baffled everybody. Yeah, uh, but it was pretty cool. Uh, the Kenyans and the Ethiopians um, had won it. Every year, listen, uh, listen to this. Kenyans and Ethiopians, one or the other, won it every year from 1981 until 2019. And in 2019, it was the Ugandans. <laughs> so <laughs> nobody from outside of Africa has won the world champion, world cross-country championships since 1980. You know, I, when I read this, it reminded me of, uh, you know, we have some motivational signs at our races. And one of them says, in our eyes, you're all Kenyans. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's amazing how the Kenyans have just always been known for for running like they do and it's 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 impressive just to watch people from that area and how graceful and effortless they make it look yeah yeah but they work really crazy hard too they do but the interesting thing about cross country is cross country probably is bigger in Europe mm-hmm. in Europe cross country is huge they have like a town will have a cross country team and they'll compete against other towns hmm. they have these club cross country teams in Europe and so it, it's huge in Europe you so they almost th- have like leagues they really like we have football and basketball and baseball leagues yep they have cross country leagues yep. wow 
Sort of like, you know, you you go out and you might see a a group playing soccer. Right. And you know that's two teams that just kind of got together to play. We we have that. They have that. We don't have that in the United States. I wonder why. I don't know. I don't know, but it's it's really cool. Why don't we just – why don't you just start a cross-country league, the American – Cross country, the ACCL, American Cross Country League. I like it. I like. It. Well, you know, I run in a cross country race every year that is based on clubs. Right. Um, the club cross country championships yeah. in December. So that's a pr- and that's huge. It is huge. There are. I remember one time there being six hundred runners. But in y'all my really race don't train together, though. I mean, you we all don't. you all get together and you go to that event. But yeah, yeah. I mean it. They actually, you're saying they actually train together oh, yeah. over there and, and strategize, and yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. On the women's side, Julie Brown was the first one to win the World Cross Country Championships, and this was just the World Cross Country Championships have only been around since 1973. Hmm. She won it in 1975, just a couple of years after the race began. But then Lynn Jennings comes along in 1990. Lynn Jennings was a phenomenal runner who ran and successfully from all from events from 1500 meters to a marathon. That's a pretty wide range of of events to be good at. And of course, along the way, she won three World Cross Country Championships in 90, 91, and 92. Hmm. She won nine American Cross Country Championships. Um, and, and the women, the U.S. women won six of the first 15 years um, of the cross-country championships and only finished off the podium three times during those 15 years. So the women came out really, really strong when they first started. Now that we're, we're to that point now where it's mostly the African countries that dominate mm-hmm. on the women's side, just like they do the men. Uh, but the last time the women were on the podium was 2011 when they were, when they were third. Uh, the women ran 10K. This last race was in 2019. Uh-huh. And women ran 10K. And the men ran 10K. It was the first time since the cross-country championship started that the men and women ran the same distance. When the marath- when the uh, cross-country, World Cross-Country Championships first started, I think the men ran around 12K and the women ran 5K. And over the years, the, the, men, the men have run... 10 to 12k almost every year but the women have steadily over that year that every few years they increase the distance so so you coach you coach college cross country why why is it you see the differences you know even like the race you're talking about they they change different distances every now and then and even like in college you know the guys typically run 8k but some races they'll run 5k or okay. 10k what well, what dictates the distances at particular meets at the collegiate level and even at this level? Is it is it some kind of what what dictates that? That's a, that's a good question. Most of the time, when you see men running a five k, it's early in the season. It's probably August. It's really really hot outside, mm. and so they're running shorter races to take less of a toll on their body. It's early. They're just trying to gauge fitness. Most of their races will be eight k throughout the year. But then the 10K, and this is only for NCAA, it doesn't work this way. In, you know, I coach in NAIA. Mm-hmm. It's, it's 8K all year. For NCAA, both, all three divisions, one, two, and three, the championship races are 10K. 10K. So for whatever reason, they run 8K almost all year, and then they run 10K in the championship. Women, same way. They run 5K most of the year. They'll run a few 6K races during the year, uh, but then their championship races are 6K. Hmm. Um, and we again in NAI we're 5K. Yeah. So um, 
Yeah, and this is different in this country than anywhere else. In our country, we have standard distances that we run. If you go and you look at the World Cross Country Championships, it's almost never a 10K or a 12K. It's usually an odd distance. Whatever the course dictates. Yeah, it's (laughs) 12,186 meters or something like that because it's just whatever the course is because that's what cross country is about. Cross country is not about time. But in this country, we can't do anything that's not about time. And so uh, we we don't like different distances. We want to gauge how, how we are based on our time. And the truth is, is it's the racing. You know, we were talking on the way up here about something. I don't remember what. I do remember what we were talking about. We won't talk about it. But you, you made a you you made a comment that really stuck out to me. You said, "I'm not impressed when you beat somebody's time. I'm impressed when you beat somebody." Yeah. And that's really the heart of cross country. It is. And track, really. Right. Um, it's 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 that shoulder to shoulder racing. And well. We've seen That's what's so fun to watch. Joshua Chept, a guy, you know, he just he set several world records. Well, he did it through completely even pacing, and and all that's great. I am not sure. denigrating that at all. It's fantastic. It's cool. But how many gold medals does he have? Because that's what really matters, right? I mean, in, yeah. in the grand scheme of things, it's cool to have a world record. I'd say that having an Olympic gold medal better than having a world record, in yeah. my estimation, it would be. Yeah. So. Which is harder? Is it harder to learn to even pace and? And, and break times or is it harder to learn to adjust to the field and beat people in yeah. the latter yeah no question about that sure yeah the world cross country championships were contested every year for a long time but then in 2011 they made the decision to do it every other year hmm. so um, yeah I love cross country I love the way they do it in Europe where they will they'll lay out the European championships. You can find it online. You can Google it and find it online. A lot of their their championships will be in a stadium. Mm-hmm. And they'll have this course that's several laps, and it'll wind its way around the stadium where they bring in dirt and stuff, and they have these hay bales that they'll jump over. Sometimes it's walls or other things that they mm-hmm. jump over, and it's it's a cool sport. Yeah. It's a really cool sport. Yeah. Yep. All right, so we are moving on. Right. Stepping up. Yep. Stepping up to the next step. That's right. On to the next phase, couch to marathon. So we're on to the 10K now. Um, It's funny how we're getting a lot of the same questions and comments as we got at the beginning of the 5K. The doubt. Yeah. The questions. Can I really do this? If you completed the 5K challenge, you're going to complete the 10K challenge. So long as you keep focused, you don't look ahead. Um, looking ahead is just scary. Don't just don't do that. Um, stay focused and, and stay right here where we're at today. Um, because honestly, if I looked ahead, I would be scared too. Um, yeah. just, just don't do that. <laughs> uh, I'm right here with you. If you're listening to this and and you're, you 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 kind of struggled your way through the 5K, I'm right there with you. I am there with you. Um, I made the mistake a few days ago of looking ahead some, and I thought, man, this is going to be tough. I don't need to do that. So um, you can do it. You will do it if you keep focused. I've had some people ask, can I start the 5K challenge anytime? Absolutely. And so we have those videos online. If you're a part of Run Club, you can start the 5K challenge any day you want to. Right. June 1st, yes. June 4th, yes. July 18th, yes. That's, Whatever day. that's the beauty of, of what we're doing in Run Club. We're, we're creating all these programs, and we're doing it live. We're doing it as we go. 
but it's the beauty of archiving so you can now go to uh, training in the in the run club you can go to the training tab pull down click on the 5k challenge and you've got the 12 weeks worth of videos you got all the documentation you can order the materials and you can start that and do that anytime you want so maybe you've been through the 5k challenge already and you're moving on with us at the, to the 10k but you see the value of what it did in your life and and you want to you want to become an instructor you know we're going to talk about that a lot in the coming weeks and months is you know, take this and spread it in your community. Mm-hmm. Become an instructor. So you can pull these videos up. You can have a small group at your house, at your church, at a park, wherever you want. You can all get together and you can no longer do you have to get up and teach. Well, while we still encourage that, uh, we want we want to push you out of your comfort zone to teach. But now you can pop in a video. You can pull up the videos that are online and and basically just facilitate at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, we say it all the time. It doesn't matter if you're taking the class or if you're teaching the class. It will change your life. In fact, we say that many times as an instructor, you're going to get more out of it than your students ever will. And we see it over and over. Now we have the tools to replicate that consistently anytime somebody wants to do it. Amen. That is crazy awesome. And I think Jesus, you know, in Matthew, we know that Jesus said, go out and make disciples. Sure. Well, you know, there's only so much room, especially back in that day when they were writing all this stuff down. It was a big deal to write down a lot of words. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure that Jesus said, go out and make runners, too. But Matthew just didn't record it because it was just extra work. <laughs> you may be stretching just all a little right, bit all there. All right. <laughs> Maybe that's too much. Maybe that's too much. But, but it's an awesome thing to do because yeah. you can make disciples in the process. That's right. Yeah. Amen. Well, as always, we are proud to be sponsored by the world's greatest digital music platform, J Radio. As a mom, I want to make sure we choose a cereal that's not entirely derived from sugar. Their car seats have to be nationally CPS certified, and their first car has to have every possible safety feature known to man. I just want to do my best to make sure that they're safe. One thing I don't have to worry about is the content they hear on J-Radio. Not only do they love the music, but I know it's only going to be a positive message that I would approve of. Now, if I could just figure out how to get my youngest from sticking everything up his nose. Sign up at JRadio.com and download the new J-Radio app in your app store. All right, we're back, and you can send questions messages, any way that you want to communicate with Mitchell or I, you can send a dean at runforgod.com. If you don't know about us, go to runforgod.com or runforgodrunclub.com and learn more about us. You may just be listening to this podcast because you were just searching for something to listen to and you just happened up on it and you're like, what is this run club thing? Well, go to runforgodrunclub.com, learn more about what we're about because I think you'll find that joining run club will make your running and just take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. And also, if you're a Run Club member and you share your story, we're going to share somebody's story. If you share your story with us, you go right to the head of the line and we make sure that we get your story. We're going to share it right here on this very podcast. And some of these stories are incredible. They're great. And so we want to hear your story. So you can submit that once again at either one of those websites, runforgod.com or runforgodrunclub.com. Maybe you want to share your story live. We've had that a few times. Darren was here. Two weeks ago, Darren was here, and he shared his story. It was great. It was great fun, and uh, we would love to have you here doing that. I don't mind taking a back seat anytime, (laughs) uh, because Darren, God, he he just did an awesome job. 
and uh, boy, you can hear his heart, can't you? You can, you can. Hey, I want to share a story with you. This is a story I heard last night. This is not. This is not a submitted run for God story. Um, it's just an awesome story that I heard. I, I love stories, and this is a, a good friend of mine, um, and and this gentleman is Israeli, and he grew up in Israel. He's Jewish. And uh, he was telling me a story. I had heard bits and pieces of this story before, but he told the story last night. We were having dinner with, with his family and my family. And this gentleman grew up in Israel, and there was a war back in 1973. It was called the Yom Kippur War. Yeah, am I saying that right, Yom Kippur? It's like the one of the – it is the biggest Jewish holiday. It's kind of like our Christmas. And um, so in 1973, Egypt – and Syria invaded Israel on the equivalent of our Christmas Day. So you can kind of see the setting. They, they were trying to take advantage and siege on, on one of the big holidays. And um, my friend was actually training to be in the military but wasn't fully in the military yet, something like that. He didn't get real detailed right there. But basically, once the invasion happened, he and some of his um, team went and basically stole a tank and went into battle. Um, wow. And they went into battle, and the Egyptians and the Syrians were, were invading, and, and they were just—it was, it was basically hand-to-hand, tank-to-tank combat, which, which you don't really see much nowadays. A lot of it's done by aircraft and— surface to air and things like that but anyway he he, they went into battle and his commander um he was in the in the belly of the tank he was a gunner and his um his commander was above him i don't really know how tanks work but long story short a they got hit by a missile and uh it killed everyone in the tank except for my friend and he was in the belly of the tank and he was kind of trapped and basically where the gun turret raises and lowers there was just a small hole that he could get out and he said it would be basically the same as a mouse getting through a small crack you just you look at the mouse and you wonder how did they get through that and he said it's kind of the way it was for him he was able to crawl through this hole his his clothing was basically melted to him i mean the heat was so intense and he got out, and he was he was in the sand, and he was basically he realized his legs weren't working. Um, there was a lot of a lot of damage and a lot of injury to him, and he was crawling. And another tank pulled up, and um, a gentleman reached over and basically grabbed him by the collar, pulled him into the tank, and they took off. and And hours later, he don't really remember a lot of the details about what happened right there but he he woke up in a hospital and they were working on him and he told the nurse he said i want to know who saved my life and he said all i knew is that it was a commander or a general i'm not really sure the term he said but a a higher ranking officer um and he said, that's all I know. And the lady that was tending to him in the hospital wrote three names down on his medical chart. And she said, it may be one of these people. These are the only ones that I know of that were close by. And she wrote three names down. And so days later, he was um, 
released from the hospital. He had some some pretty substantial injuries. But at that time in the war, it, it was a pretty devastating war, and a lot of people died. And he realized that he didn't want to reach out to these three people because he didn't know if they would be alive. He just didn't want to have that conversation of calling a family, looking for somebody for them to say they didn't make it. So he never reached out to these people. This is back in 1973. So fast forward almost 30 years later, and um, my friend is a, is a businessman, and he was doing business in um, Israel. And he had hired an attorney um, several years prior, and um, this was kind of like his personal attorney. And <clears throat> he, uh, like I said, he was a businessman in Israel, and he was going for a, a, a doctor's visit one day. And evidently in Israel, medical documents aren't like they are here. Most of your medical documents are stored at your physician's office. When well, Israel, you have your medical documents. You have your medical file, and when you go to the doctor, you take your file with you. Hmm. At least that was, that's the way it was in the late 90s when, when the point where we're at in this story. And so he went to um, the doctor, and he was sitting out in the waiting room waiting on the doctor just like you do here. And he was just kind of thrumming through his medical files. And he came across this handwritten list of three names from decades before when he was injured in the war and he saw these names and he stood up and he walked out of the doctor's office and he went home and he got on the phone and he called his attorney and the secretary answered the phone and he said i need to speak to whatever the gentleman's name is and the the lady said he's in a meeting and my friend said get him out of the meeting and she said, well, sir, he's, he's in a meeting. And he said, get him out of the meeting. I need to talk to him. And so his friend, his attorney, got on the phone and said, you know, what's, what's going on? What's so, what's so urgent here? And he said, what were you doing October such and such, 1973? And he said there was just silence. His attorney was the guy that pulled him out of the tank. Wow. And he never knew it until he was sitting in the doctor's office and he saw those three names and he realized that name is my attorney now. And it's just insane. And they're still, they're still great friends today. They actually do some business together today. My, my friend lives in America now. Um, but I just thought that was the most incredible story and to hear the emotion. he I mean, my friend is not an emotional guy at all you've heard me talk about him yeah. but to hear the emotion behind that story and it was just one of the most incredible stories i'd ever heard how sometimes god will put people back together after decades and he put them back together years before and they didn't even know it yeah and uh i don't know i just thought i would share that story because I mean, it gave, gave me cold chills last night. I'm, and it is me now, because you, you purposefully didn't tell me this story before we got here so that I could hear it for the first time. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. It was, you know what I think about when I hear the story is most people who meet somebody in that, those circumstances, when you meet that person maybe that saved your life a long time ago, I mean, it's crazy. It's a crazy, neat thing to do, yeah. right? 
but he knew who this guy was. Right. He, he he didn't he wasn't just meeting him to you know for this guy to go yeah I saved your life. It was he he already knew who he was, but didn't and, and know was, who he was. Yeah, and the guy had no reason to you know to put on any airs or anything like that. He just. He knew who the guy was. That's, that's fascinating. It is. That's that is crazy. Awesome. Wow. It's crazy. So anyway, that's what a great story. my short story for today. My goodness. Well, have you ever changed a bunch of things all at once? <laughs> <laughs> I remember 1988 for me. I graduated from college. I got a real job. I got married and bought a house all within a few months of each that's other. That's a lot of change. <laughs> that's a lot of change. All of those things are considered major life events. Sure. And I did all of those things in a few months. Um, <laughs> but that's kind of the way you roll anyway. Yeah, it is. It <laughs> is. A bunch of stuff all at once and then, then relax for a little bit. Uh, anyway, this story is kind of, it's about changing two pretty big things all about the same time. And it's a... It's a story. It's called New to Christ and Never Ran Ever. I just love I don't know why I love that title. It's not <laughs> grammatically correct. I just love the title. New to Christ and Never Ran Ever. And it's from Shannon Allister from El Cajon, California. And it's very short. Is that how you say that? El Cajon? Yep. I would have said El Cajun. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm from the South. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did take some Spanish, you know. Uh this is how it goes. Where to start? I am new to Christ. I had never run before. I fell in love with the Lord in 2012 after my daughter asked me to go to church. I had never been. We went. Boom. Never left. <laughs> and fell in love. Found a good community and family in our local home church. Running. What? Me? Run? Well, I'll try. I had been an avid walker for many years and really enjoyed it. Always felt my time walking was my own personal time with the Lord. One day, I set out for a run. It had been a fun journey ever it has been a fun journey ever since. I'm still slow and learning a lot. But I find my miles are full of peace, joy, and him. This sounds like my kind of lady. Short to and to the point. Yeah. You know, my wife says that's how my text messages are. Yeah. You know, I could expand and describe a little bit more, but she's just to the point and um, the information you need and and, and, I, and yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I just love the way she puts a lot of that stuff. The first scripture passage is one that we're all familiar with. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Of course, that comes from Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and that was a that was a letter from Jeremiah, mm-hmm. right? The that that's that's where that. This, this verse comes from, a lot of times we think about verses from the Bible just being something somebody wrote down, but this mm-hmm. was an actual letter that he wrote. Sure. Um, chapter 29, verse 1 says this, Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent to Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive to the priests, the prophets, and the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. Uh, they would be there for 70 years. Hmm. They, they were taken away 
and they would be there for 70 years. And Jeremiah is pleading with them in this letter to understand who they are. Um, and this is what Jeremiah says to them before verse 11. He says, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters that you may increase there and not diminish. Uh, and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it is for in its peace you will have peace. For in its peace you will have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which can cause you to which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you my name I have not sent them, says the Lord. <laughs> you know, how many times are we just like the children of Israel? Every day. Yeah, I mean, the whole first part of the book of Jeremiah is Jeremiah saying, "Whoa, listen, Israel, you're 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 about to go off a cliff here." And you know, you wonder what the people in Israel thought when the Babylonians came and just wiped them out and captured them and. You know, were they saying like everything was so good? You know, but Jeremiah saying no, it wasn't. They, they've been headed our way. This has been coming. God is, God was coming for judgment, and but you didn't listen. Yep. And what's awesome about this is even during captivity, God was there to comfort. You know, I I grew up in the South. I grew up with old fashioned whoopings you know my dad used to whoop me and but it never came as a surprise i thought it came as a surprise but so many times my dad was saying mitchell don't do that Mm -hmm. don't do that don't do that and then here come the whooping and i was like whoa what happened and but my dad would all always come to me afterwards and say i warned you you know, I love you, but I warned you. And <laughs> it, it kind of reminds me of an old-fashioned whooping here. God was saying, don't do this. He was sending people out. Yeah. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And, man, I I can just relate to this story so much because yeah. I'm here so much. Yeah, and Jeremiah is, is clearly, that's what he's doing. He's telling them that exactly just, and it's obvious to him. Because God's given him that word, right. and and He's telling them, okay, you you've messed up at this point, but let's let's keep going, let's keep going, let's let's go in the right direction. We got ourselves into this mess, but let's keep going in the right direction, um, because God has a plan, and that's where verse eleven comes from. Is He's talking about God still has a plan, no matter what, He's still got a plan. Uh, and then the next scripture passage is uh, John ten ten. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Those are Jesus's words. Mm-hmm. Again, once again, I think when we when we look at, at verses of Scripture, uh, we have to put them in context and realize Jesus said that. Um, and do do we do we really grasp the idea of this whole idea of having life and having it more abundantly? But that's what God is trying to tell us. You dovetail that with Jeremiah, mm-hmm. and he's telling us, 
do what I'm asking you to do. Right. Live the way I'm asking you to live. I have a plan for you, and it's awesome, but you, you've got to listen. you got to listen. Yeah, I mean, he, I always like to put our relationship with with God in the context of our relationship with our earthly fathers or our relationship with our earthly sons. You know, God wants us to have a good life, mm-hmm. just like I want my sons to have a good life. But there, there must be discipline. We understand this as parents, but so many times we don't see the connection when it comes to God. And, you know, just like we as fathers should be, God's anger is not aroused quickly. Mm-hmm. M- many times he, he has grace. He has forgiveness. He, But we tend to do things over and over and push the boundaries, just like back then. Jer- Jeremiah was warning and prophesizing for a long time before the Babylonians sieged them. Yeah. Um, but we see it, it took all the way to chapter 21 before Jerusalem's doom was ultimately sealed. Yeah. Um, and, and we, but we, many times we look at things that happen in our life that God allowed to happen and we're like, what happened? But, it, it's like we just don't get it sometimes. Yep, it, and it, it was not a surprise. Uh, yep, we, we, we're. I think that we're. I think about division, and there's a little bit further down after the scripture. It says there, there was there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings, and many of them said, "He has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him?" And another said, "These are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon?" open the eyes of the blind and so we have these factions you know Mm -hmm. one group who is saying one thing and one group is saying does that sound familiar Mm -hmm. today i mean we can't get along today because we can't even talk without looking at the other person going you're just wrong we don't even listen Um, and and they may be wrong they may be wrong but if you're shutting it down and you're not even listening it's not helping um well, but and also God's word's clear. We we will be persecuted for speaking the words of Jesus. Um, yep. So it, it, your notes say it's difficult to believe that Jesus' words could be so divisive, but that's exactly what he said they would be. That's right. Uh, and we're surprised when they are. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know why we're so surprised, because we see it. The Bible gives us all this historical reference sure. of division, and yet when we see it today, we're surprised by it. And the same thing that's causing division today is what was causing division back then. And it'll be the same thing that causes division 50 years from now. Yep. It's, it's been here all along. Sure. Third passage, Romans twelve twelve. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in, in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. You know, when I read this this morning, I, I guess the Lord just really parked me here in Romans 12. Um, you know, the second sentence says, abhor what is evil. Well, I looked up the word abhor. And it means to regard with detest and hatred. Mm. And 
you know, this is a tough concept these days. Um, you know, I, I can kind of relate to this more than some maybe because of my background with my dad. You know, my dad was a, a raging alcoholic when I was young, and um, what he was doing was living in sin. And I hated that. Mm. I hated that. If if you've listened to this podcast very long, you've heard his story. And if you haven't, go back and listen to it a few episodes back. But I hated my dad's sin. But I loved my dad. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a concept in our society that's gotten so twisted. And it's the concept that to love somebody means that you love their sin. Or to hate somebody's sin means that you hate the person. And that's just not true, and it's just not scriptural. You know, I hated his lifestyle, but I loved him. You can you can hate the sin. In fact, it says, abhor what is evil. Sin is evil. You can hate the sin and, and love the sinner. How? Just like I did with my dad. You know, I, mm-hmm. I refuse to be part of that lifestyle that he was living. Mm-hmm. But when he decided to lay that lifestyle down, I was the first person he saw when he turned around. That's right. And that's exactly how God is with us. That's right. I mean, it's exactly how God is. You know, I can hate abortion, but I can love the person who had an abortion. Amen. I can hate homosexuality, but I can love the person involved in it. I can hate alcoholism. But I loved my dad. You know, H.R. Poe can hate the sin of idolatry. But I thank God that he loved me enough to point that sin out in my life. You know, you can hate a person's sin and you can love them to Christ all at the same time. Yeah. But our, our world is really trying to distort that. And mm-hmm. that's where we as, as Christians have got to stand up here. Yeah. Just like Jeremiah, he was standing up saying, whoa, what you're doing is is wrong. You know, if you, if you really go back and you look, um, what chapter was it? I think chapter 19 or chapter 20. I don't even have it right here, but that, that's when God sealed Israel's fate. You know, it, judgment was coming. But what was going on just before that? The Israelites had f- stooped so low as they were sacrificing kids. Wow. And God said, I had it. I've had it. I- I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Right. <laughs> you you, you kind of wonder where we as a society are headed. I mean, sacrificing kids sound familiar? Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit different nowadays, but... It's the same. Yeah. And, you know, it just really rung my bell this morning going through Jeremiah. And, and it's it's so awesome how God opens our eyes each time we look at a chapter or open the Bible. It speaks to us differently. And this is how it spoke to me this morning that we need to wake up. And in that time when all of this was going on and they were sacrificing those children, they were justifying that. Sure. And that's what we do today is we take things that in the deepest depths of our heart we know are sins and we justify them some way and you know God is a black it's, it's, things are black and white 
they were sacrificing kids on the altar of Baal. Yeah. That was that was a different god. That was an idol. We have different gods today. Yeah. We 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 sacrifice our biblical principles on the altar of inclusion or on the altar of whatever. Pick pick a hot button topic nowadays and we need more and more Jeremiah's we today. Um, yeah, this this verse we're talking about here, it, it talks about rejoicing in hope, being patient, patient in tribulation, and continuing in, in prayer. Mm-hmm. But the whole thing starts off with let love be without hypocrisy. Right. And, and that's where we are today is on, and, and on whatever side of the issue, it's on both sides of every issue. You have people saying one thing and acting in a different way. Right. And we, we should neither condemn the person, condemning the sin, fine, that's what Jeremiah was doing, but never condemn the person because we, we, we've seen it over and over again. We've seen God redeem people who, in their estimation, were not redeemable. The Bible's full of it. And you and I were talking on the way up here. This is where many times as Christians we fail because and I said, I've done it. You've done it. We've yep. all done it. We 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 condemn we throw the baby out with the bathwater. We mm-hmm. condemn the sin and we just write the person off and we condemn the person as well. And that is also a sin. Yep. yep. We're to love the person and try to love them to Christ. But so many times we get caught up in our ideology or whatever and and we cast judgment and that's a dangerous thing for us. Yeah. Because the same judgment that we cast we're gonna be shown as well. Yeah. And we've got to learn to separate those two and yeah. we have to. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I remember a guy that I that I have an association with that through college athletics who I remember him talking about the the George Floyd thing. I don't want to get into the politics of the George Floyd thing obviously, but I remember seeing the pain in his eyes as he described what was going on there. And that's the kind of love that we have to have for one another mm-hmm. is he didn't know who he was. But he saw what happened to the guy, and he doesn't excuse some of the things that he did. But he beforehand, you know, that maybe even led up to that. But but the idea on watching human life go away, mm-hmm. regardless of what caused it to go away, it, it's just heartbreaking. And that's mm-hmm. where we need to get to, is when we see people. You know, I hear people argue all the time in this in this case. Well, he he, he did this. He's a human being, where and we should be looking at everybody we meet that way. I don't care if they spit in your face. Now you shouldn't ask for that to happen again. Mm-hmm. But the Bible's really clear that mm-hmm. even that person who did that, you're to love that person, mm-hmm. and that's hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is hard. Question number one: Why? Why run? What's the plan? I ask that sometimes too. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little unsure what was what Shannon meant here, um, but I can answer their "why run" question at least. Um, 
you know, we, we, were, we were made to be active. Um, I feel like in my case, for example, that's what God made me for. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly believe, and just through the, the things that God has revealed to me, that that's, that's why he, he, he made me to be a runner, and that's what I'm supposed to do. Um, and then from, from a personal standpoint, I see that, but then we find uh, there are reasons in the Bible to run as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the whole body is a temple thing. The whole idea that we should be doing some form of exercise. It doesn't say we should run. Sure. But we already mentioned running is the only sport mentioned in the Bible. Running and wrestling. That's right. So, And wasn't it funny that Charlie's message Sunday was about wrestling? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> uh, but I like the next words of what she says. What's the plan? And I know you like those words. So uh, I'm a planner for sure. <laughs> we sure don't like it when there's no plan. Nope. Um, we, what do we say? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's no doubt of the the efficacy of that statement. That that is absolutely. I true. I do love some spontaneity. It just yeah. needs to be planned out. Planned spontaneity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so a little bit of spontaneity in running is pretty fun. New routes. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was running just the other day in, in our downtown area, which has just been transformed over the past 10 years, yeah, yeah. you know, in Cutter. It yeah. it's, it's, been, it's been great. You are getting to be a huge metropolitan. I'm telling you, yeah, it won't I mean, be long. Won't got be a long. barbecue gonna... place and a – what was it just opened? Pro- uh, an ice cream ice place. Ice cream place. Yeah. Well, we're probably going to need a new zip code soon. That's what yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're getting too big. <laughs> but There's no red light in Cahutta, right? That's right. There's a stop sign. There is a stop sign. <laughs> there, but there's a there's a, a storefront that was a store years ago mm-hmm. that uh, is being renovated along with these other buildings that were renovated into what they are. And I was running the other day, and I just kind of took a detour and stopped. What, the building was open, you know. It was it was clearly okay to walk mm-hmm. around, and I just walked around in there. It was kind of a neat break during my run. And I think uh, I think it's fun to do stuff like that. To every once in a while, yeah, I'm supposed to be out on an eight mile run, but I'm gonna take a detour. Sure, I'm gonna talk to this person. I don't know how many times I've talked to somebody. Red Clay State Park is a little over three miles away from my house. Mm-hmm. When I go for a run, I run by Red Clay State Park all the time. I can't even count the number of times where I've run into somebody who's on a bike or somebody. There's a guy named Bob who's a cyclist, rides all the time. And I run into Bob. All Me and Bob are just good friends. Mm-hmm. It's just because I took the time in the middle of a run to just talk to Bob. Yeah. And uh, and, and every time I see him, it's like, hey, there's Bob. <laughs> it, it lifts me up. I feel good about running. You know? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, all right. Question number two. I <laughs> know you will be tired, tried, and challenged. Uh, do not give up. So I didn't find the question in there. I didn't either. But <laughs> uh, but we could talk about that all day, couldn't we? Sure. The, this whole idea of don't give up. That's what Jeremiah was doing, right? Mm-hmm. He was not giving up. He knew that God had a message that he was supposed to preach, and he continued to preach it even when nobody was listening. And that's you know that's the hardest place to be. That's the hard the hardest place to be is when you know you're doing something right, but nobody else sees it, and even further than that, you're getting, you're catching flack or you're being persecuted mm-hmm. because of it. That's that's a really tough place to be, but I think that's where, that's where we shine the most from a heavenly perspective is 
is when we do make the sacrifice and we do the things that we know God's calling us to do, but it's not socially acceptable. It may not be financially acceptable. Keep keep the list going there, yeah. but we do it anyway. Yeah. And there is a a reward that comes there, not only in heaven, but internally. Yeah. You, you know that what you're doing is right, and God confirms that in our heart. And but it's not easy. Yeah, no. it is hard. It is tiring. We do get tried. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, today's a good example for me. I had the second dose of the coronavirus vaccine yesterday, and I feel like I've been hit by a truck today. <laughs> I did not want to get in the car and come here and do this. Just I, all I wanted to do was sleep. Yeah. Uh, but, but you're here. But I'm here and. After I get through, it's going to be like, yeah, I, I fought through that, and it feels good. And you're going to go for a 10-mile run this evening, aren't you? Probably not, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I may go for six, Yeah, and uh, and it'll be fine, and I'm going to live, and it's all going to be good, and hopefully, you know, somebody's listening to this going, I'm tired sometimes too, but I, I can get up and go do it. It always feels good to get through those things, whatever yeah. it is, whether it's it's physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. It's always good. You, you, it always feels good to get through. Yep. It always feels good to get through. I feel like I've lost if I let tiredness beat me. You know what I mean? If I if I ever give into it, I feel it's almost like losing a race. I, I, I've I've just I, I've given in, and I just I you know it's like in a race. You know if you're gonna you're gonna come down to a race. We we had a discussion here recently about somebody that we both know very well, who uh, didn't put everything they had into a race, right. and I just I I don't I don't know I don't know how you do that. You know you got put everything you got in there, and and I feel like if I don't do that, then I failed. And I feel that way about everything. If I if I if I give in to the tiredness, then I failed. Well, yeah, I mean that's what yeah, I mentioned Charlie's message uh, this weekend, and it just the message couldn't be more fitting for the group. I mean, you know, we probably had 150 uh, Run for God Run Club members and my church Sunday morning, which was just awesome. Mm-hmm. And then Charlie's message was about Jacob wrestling with God, <laughs> and. He was talking about blessings. He started a sermon off of blessings and how so many times we give up before we get the blessing and how Jacob just wouldn't give up. He would not give up. But And, that, and that's, that's such a metaphor for our lives, for our running life, for our spiritual life, emotion, whatever, is so many times we give up. God, God never said this life following him is going to be easy. He said it would be worth it. Yep. And we just need to keep wrestling. Yeah. We just need to keep running because there's going to be a blessing at the. Now it may not be a blessing as we define it or as our society defines it, but rest assured there will be a blessing, and we just need to keep wrestling and running. Amen. Amen. Question number three: Keep him close, joyful, patient, and faithful. Are you ready to run? I'm ready to get this 10K started. Yeah, it's, it's 10K that time. challenge. I'm it, ready. It is that time. Uh, this was another short. This is kind of more, almost a, more of a statement than a question. But um, those are important items to keep him close, to be joyful, to be patient, to be faithful, and those all those things take some action. 
and it, but it's pretty things. simple. It's, you know, following God is not complicated. We right. complicate it. Yep. And uh, just keep it, keep it simple. You know, I, I did a post a few days ago. Um, I don't even know if we've talked about this guy on here, but there's a there's a gentleman in our community that we used to I used to pick up on the side of the road quite a bit. He he wasn't homeless. He had a home, um, but he he never owned a car, and he would just walk. He he lived in one direction from my house, and and he would walk to the bank and to the grocery store and back home. And he did this for sixty years. And um, and I, his name is Mr. Manus, Daniel Manus. And, uh, you know, when I started picking him up, the first time I ever picked him up, and, and I had seen him before, but I guess God made me notice him this time, was several years ago. And uh, he, was, he was sitting, leaned up against a rail on a bridge, uh, just standing there, and it was absolutely pouring down raining lightning just blowing sideways and i go flying by him in my truck and it's like god said put it in reverse whoa and so i backed up and i rolled my window down i said do you need a ride somewhere and he said yeah and he's probably mid 70s at the time and daniel got in the truck and so i started picking him up pretty often anytime i would see him from then on and if it was pretty outside daniel would say no i think i'm just gonna walk today and i asked him one time i said daniel how long how long does it take you to to make this loop because from his house to the bank the grocery store and back i think was about nine miles yeah round trip i said daniel how long does it take you to do this and he said when i was young it would take me three and a half, four hours. He said, but now it takes me eight or nine hours. And, you know, Holly and I talked one time about, you know, can we figure out a way to raise some money and get him a car? And But then I was talking to him one day, and I, I realized a car would have killed him. Not not actually, yeah. but that's that's what kept him alive because he said something one day, it was when I was asking the question about how long it took him, and he said, "You know, I'm just blessed to be a, be able to do all this walking." And I thought, you know, we can all learn something from this guy—the simplicity yeah. of how he lived his life. We can all learn something from yeah. him. You know, we're so busy, we're so pulled in so many directions. But Daniel loved the Lord, and Daniel just passed away um, a couple weeks ago, and. I know he's sitting up there looking down on us now, but I don't know how we got on him, but he, he lived his life simple. He was joyful, he was patient, and he was faithful. Yeah. And he just loved to walk. And he was so awesome. He was an awesome guy. And he took what many people would look at as a curse, and he realized he realized the blessing of it. Did you did you ever meet Mr. Manus? I never did. You've heard me talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I've heard. He actually, I actually, you may not have met him, but two years ago at Run at the Mill, I actually went and picked him up and brought him to the race, and he hung out over at the coffee tent, <laughs> and uh, he just loved it. I mean, he loved the simple thing. I mean, who who else would want you to pick him up and bring him to a a half marathon to just sit there and watch? Yeah. But he loved it. Yeah. He loved the simple things in life. Yeah. We can all learn a lot from Daniel. We sure could.
While you're working hard to keep your body in shape physically, the music you listen to while you run can help keep you in shape spiritually. We've partnered with J Radio to put together a group of running playlists by Dean, Lane, Holly, myself, and others that you hear here on the Run For God podcast. Plus, you can listen to a playlist put together by members of Run Club just like you. Check out the whole station of Run For God playlist at jradio.com and in the J Radio app. All right, we are back. And, you know, we have the Olympic trials for track. They're coming up pretty soon, not not too long. I know you're not a huge track fan. It's like watching paint dry. But do you have an event that you like to watch? Uh, I, I guess the mile and the 800. Yeah. You know, 800 Which is just that. they don't have in the Olympics. But really? The mile. They, they don't have the mile in the Olympics? I didn't know 1500 that. 1,500 meters. That's just a weird distance. Yeah. Well, you know. Really, though. Of course, it's really not a mile in high school either. Yeah, which, which I have real problems with. I have yeah. a real problem with 1,600 meters. But that's. But 1,500 is even more weird. No, at least that's one and a half K. That's the whole idea. But it's not four it. laps. Yeah, well, and that's because. At least the 1,600 is four 400 meter laps. Yeah, I guess. But 1,600 meters, what's 1,600 meters makes no sense. I don't know. It's four laps. I guess. <laughs> but you only got to make it nine meters longer to make it a mile. Let's just make it but a mile. But then you have to put another line on the track, and that would that's, be weird. That's awesome. <laughs> let's, put in a, let's put the line. A lot of tracks have that line. Do they really? Yes, they do. Most collegiate ones do. Really? Yes. And they sh- every track should have a mile line, every single one. So I like the mile because it was kind of a staple in, in – it was a benchmark for the kids we coached growing up. It was so I love to watch the mile, but I I like the eight hundred meters because it's it's just guts. It is. It's really not a sprint. It's really not a like a hundred meters. There is a little bit of strategy, I guess. Maybe yeah. not. I don't know. There is. For sure. You know, hundred meters. There's no strategy. Yeah. The mile, two mile. There's lots of strategy. But the 800 meters is kind of in that no man's land where it's I've never I, I've never ran an 800 meter all out I don't think, but it's got to be one of the hardest events I would think. And that's why you you mentioned that there are a lot of good 800 meter runners are 400 meter runners that try to go a little longer, and some of them are 1500 meter runners that try to go a little bit shorter. And eventually you find the but but usually there's a background from somebody going shorter or going longer than than normal, and it's very interesting to watch those two different individuals meet in the 800 meters. So, I yeah I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. The 800 meters is a lot of fun to watch. And yeah, I've gotten to the point where you it, see some of the most dramatic. Let me put it this way: just in the few track meets that I've been to which isn't a ton you see some of the most dramatic blow ups walls hit yeah and it's because they're they're trying to go at that 400 meter pace and it's going to be a miracle if they hold it for 800 and sometimes about 600 you just I mean it's like a parachute ejects out of the back yeah, yeah. and it's a dramatic slowdown yeah but yep. so it's it's a testament to really if you finish a 800 meter the way 800 meter is supposed to be run, that's pushing yourself to the limit. 
Yeah, I remember when I was at Georgia Tech and we had a guy who was a 400-meter runner, had never run the 800 meters before, and they decided to let him run the 800 meters at the conference meet. And he goes out in the first lap <laughs> in 48. <laughs> like well under And everybody on the sideline knows what's about to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was funny. Now he still won it because – by the time he got so to the far first ahead. lap, he was already six seconds ahead of the next guy. Yeah. It was crazy. Ignorance could be bliss on the 800. <laughs> yeah. He didn't run it like that the next <laughs> I time. I bet he didn't. Uh, all right. I, I, I've really enjoyed field events more recently because I've never been a, really a part of field events. But my Dalton State team, we've got a few field events, folks, and so mm-hmm. I've learned some about the field events. And it's really – those are kind of interesting, too. But it's a whole different thing than running. You know, learning how to all the things you need to do to get yourself flung over a bar in the pole vault is there's a lot going on there, <laughs> a lot. Well, and it's it's also funny because you don't see this in cross country, but it's also funny to go to these track meets, especially high schoolers, which is really my only experience with track, to see the different personalities in the way of thinking because you've got your sprinters and you've got your distance guys and girls. Yeah. And the distance guys and girls are like, you're just sprinting. And the di- the sprinters are like, you're so slow. <laughs> and it's like you see these two worlds collide, and they're both incredibly awesome in their own respect. Yeah. But it's like so many times they don't respect each other. It's like, you're just a sprinter. You're just running for 12 seconds. Yeah. That's nothing. <laughs> but th- th- Yeah. <laughs> I love that thought, yeah. All right, it's time for Dean's Thoughts, and that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. You know, our bodies are meant to be in motion. And how about we use a light bulb as an illustration? This one is called Lights Are Made for Burning. There is a light bulb in a fire station in Livermore, California, called the Centennial Light. What's so special about a light bulb that it would have a special name, a dedicated web page, and a webcam focused on it 24 hours a day? After all, light bulbs are common, everyday objects that we don't really think about much. Have you named the light bulb in your kitchen, for example? Well, of course not. But then again, the light bulb in your kitchen has not been burning for 120 years. That's right. I said 120 years. The average light bulb lasts 700 to 2,500 hours. This one has lasted well over a million hours, having first been put into service in 1901. Even by the lofty standards set by the current LED bulbs, which are rated at 25,000 to 50,000 hours, the longevity of this bulb is incredible. And it doesn't even sound plausible, does it? But it's true. There are several reasons why the light continues to burn. The first is obvious. It was just made better than most light bulbs. Tests on other similar light bulbs show that the filament is eight times thicker than the average bulb. As with many things from that era, it was just built sturdier. Another reason that the light that the bulb is currently operating is that, excuse me, Another reason is that the bulb is currently operating at 4 watts. That's about the equivalent of a nightlight. Since there is less current going through the filament, it lasts longer. It is thought that originally it operated at 30 watts, but has dimmed over time. But I want to focus on the last reason the light has lasted so long. 
they rarely turn it off. It has only been off a handful of times over the years for power outages, a failed power supply one time, and to move it to different buildings. It still hangs from the original fabric cord manufactured in the same era as the light bulb. When an incandescent bulb is turned on, the filament heats up. Obviously, that's why you can't touch a light bulb that has been burning for more than a minute or two without burning yourself. When the light is turned off, it cools. Each time the filament is heated and cooled, it expands and then shrinks. It gets brittle as it develops micro cracks and eventually breaks. That's why bulbs so often quit working just after you turn them on. Our bodies are similar. It's better for us to always be active than to exercise regularly for a month and then take months off, alternating over our lifetimes. Our bodies are meant to be in motion. They're built that way. It's not a lot different from the centennial light. When we get fit and then we fall out of fitness, our, body de our bodies develop issues that are similar to those micro cracks. When we spend time sitting on the couch, our cholesterol um, ri raises along with our weight. Our heart weakens ever so slightly. Our muscles begin to atrophy to a degree. If we keep ourselves going day after day, we don't allow those bad things to creep up on us. Now you might be thinking, wait a minute, we don't have to rest, uh, excuse me, don't we have to rest in between exercises? Of course, the answer is yes. But look at it this way. Resting is part of the cycle of staying in shape. The electricity to the centennial light runs in cycles. The alternating current means exactly what it sounds like. The current runs in one direction, then switches to the other direction. Think of the run and subsequent rest as alternating current. We know that light bulbs are made for burning and that our bodies are meant for motion. But we're also made for worship, literally. Isaiah 43, 7 says, Everyone who is called by my name, who I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. It is the reason we exist. The centennial light was made to be a light bulb. You wouldn't use it as a toothbrush. <laughs> Why? Because it was made to be a light bulb. Likewise, we were created in the image of God to worship and adore Him. We weren't made just to exist. It is why 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I know from research and experience that we're better off if we keep running regularly. And 1 Corinthians 10.31 reminds us that we should do it in a worshipful way. Make running and worship a consistent part of who you are and what you do. We don't know how much longer the centennial light will last, but one thing is sure. It won't be nearly as long as the time we will have once we enter heaven. Forever is a mighty long time. <laughs> That's an awesome story, Dean. So, where are those bulbs nowadays? <laughs> you know, it seems like the the... The longer they advertise they last, the less they actually last. <laughs> you know, bring back the incandescent bulbs. You know, they've I know it's they're they're more expensive to burn, but man, these LEDs and fluorescent and I just I've had so many problems with these. Yeah, yeah, now my LED lights are lasting a lot longer than my incandescent bulbs did. My LED bulbs, I put them in yeah, probably six or seven years ago. And I have I think I've replaced one. I've replaced one over that time period. 
incandescent bulbs. I had one in just in, in one area of my house that I replaced. At but least you could buy 10 months. incandescent bulbs for what, one of those? Yeah, yeah. Puss. But you got to think about, here, here's the other thing. I know that I sound like some, some green guy or something, but think about the strain on the electrical supply the difference in the amount of power it takes to power an LED versus an incandescent bulb yeah, is huge. Yeah, I, I get all that, but I actually got a, a little bit clever. I'm going to give you all some some advice here. Have you heard Uh-oh, this part? I've heard this before, yeah. <laughs> so, so when I decided I was going to switch everything over to, at first it was fluorescent and then LED now, but when I decided I was going to switch everything over, I went to Lowe's, and I was floored at the cost. You know, I have a lot of can lights in my house, so it's the bigger bulbs, and they're pretty expensive, and I have a lot of them in my house. So I I made the investment, and I bought enough for my whole house, and um, so I made that kind of investment, and it said seven-year warranty on them. And I thought, if I'm spending this much money, I'm saving these boxes. So I put all the bulbs in, and I saved the boxes, and I just put them above my washer and dryer in our laundry room. If you go in there, you'll see all the boxes up there. They don't last seven years. Some may, but most of them do not. And so what, what I do now is about once a year, I'll go and I'll take all the burnt bulbs out, and I'll put them back in the box, and I write blown on the box. And when I have a case filled up, I take my case of light bulbs, and I'll go to Lowe's, and I'll say, I need to return these. And they'll, I get the funniest looks because they'll say, is there something wrong with them? I say, they're blown. And they kind of give me that look, and I'm like, they have a seven-year warranty. Here's my receipt where I bought them. I, I'm that guy. I'm the cheapskate. <laughs> but but it's turned into, I mean, I haven't bought lights in years now because I just go return. I'm probably the only person on earth that returns light bulbs when they're blown. But they're expensive. So they're really not any more expensive. Those incandescent bulbs at this point. For me, they're not. (laughs) But the funny thing was, funny story, we took these case of bulbs back one time. And like I said, I write B on them, so I know which ones are new. Because I still have some new ones on the shelf, and I know which ones are new and which ones are blown. I write a B on the outside of the box. And so I took this case of bulbs back with B written on them. And I took them back. I explained that they were blown. I showed them my receipt where they're still under warranty. And and Lowe's is great about that. They'll just replace them because I think they have some kind of deal worked out with their manufacturer. And uh, so I, and they always give me a Lowe's gift card to buy the new ones. And so we had some other things to look for, or whatever. And and I went over to the aisle where the bulbs were, and I was going to pick up me a new case of bulbs. Well, I grabbed the first case out. Guess what I see written on all the boxes? B. A, a B. <laughs> they had taken my blown bulbs. And just put them back on the shelf. So so I carried them back to the front, and I'm like, these are blown. There's something wrong with them. Anyway. Good I'm, story. I'm a cheapskate. That's a good story. Uh, yeah, I've learned, too, that you got to weigh these things, right? Because I was wearing, and I, please don't go out and buy these shoes just because I say so. I was wearing the Saucony Kimbara mm-hmm. running shoe. I got 40 pairs of those. And I changed recently. And I always say, don't change once you find something that works. And they did work. But out of necessity, my shoes were worn out. I went to the local running store. They didn't have the Kimbara in my size. And so they said, well, this Saucony Freedom is basically the same shoe. It just lasts longer. And so I thought, 
well, I, I don't have another alternative right now, so okay, I'll buy that one. So I bought the Saucony Freedom. Well, the pair that I just retired just this past week had well over 700 miles on them. And they still feel pretty good. I've just worn the rubber off the bottom of them. I can't wear them anymore because I've worn into into the midsole. Wow. And so uh, you can find shoes. You may be able to find shoes out there that last longer. Uh, now, they cost a little bit more. But in the grand scheme of things, sort of like those light bulbs, um, they, they don't really – they cost more when I buy them. But I only yeah. have to buy them half as many times. Yeah. And so they're actually cheaper. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I like it. Yeah, this, this light bulb is um, is often mentioned, you know, when people talk about planned obsolescence. You've heard that phrase where they say that they say that cars could get 100 miles to a gallon, but they purposefully make them where they don't so that you have to buy gas for them. Which That is true. Which, that is true. Is being in the building industry, I see it in appliances and all kind of stuff. Well, that, this, I'm a firm believer in that. This light bulb is often cited, and they say, look, here's a light bulb lasted 120 years. Why can't they all last 120 years? Because they don't want them to. That's why. <laughs> Sounds like a conspiracy theory to me. Yeah. Maybe that, <laughs> maybe this is just God playing a trick on people, though. You know, maybe he's had this light lasting that long just, just to needle Just to us. mess with people. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, cause, so, so is it considered a incandescent? Yeah. It is? It is okay. an incandescent bulb. Incandescent. Yeah. 120 years old. Hmm. Yeah. And it's still It's, it's still funny because I'm sitting and, here looking at a light bulb. And you can go online right now, and there's a website for the Centennial Light where you can see it burning right now. Hmm, I'm gonna have to go check that out. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. So I don't. I don't know if we're necessarily made for running specifically um, as far as a preferred exerciser. I don't know if you like that. If you're listening to this, um, but we are definitely made for movement. That's 100. percent Proof well, I mean, you hear cool. it all the time, and maybe it's just like folklore or legend, but I, I believe it, you know, just like Mr. Manus, you know, we just talked about. I'm convinced that if we would have figured out how to get the man a car, his life would have ended much earlier. Yeah. Because that's what kept him going. You hear about people reti- who retire and it's who true. don't have anything to do after retirement. They tend to go downhill quicker and see i mean yeah i'm a firm believer we're we're meant to move we're meant yep. to be doing for sure the book born to run kind of chronicles how mm-hmm. we're made to be runners i yeah. think that's a very interesting book if you want to read that one but first corinthians ten thirty one says all things all the time 24 hours a day just like this light bulb sure that's the way we're supposed to be that's what god wants he wants us to never be turned off If you've ever participated in any sport, you've probably met a great coach. Great coaches inspire us to do more than we ever thought possible. You can be the leader that helps others achieve things they never thought possible. You, yes, you have the ability and the opportunity to be that person. All you need is a heart to help people and the ability to follow a plan. The Run for God 5K Challenge will come ready to help you inspire those around you. The step-by-step guide will direct you how to plan, pray, and train people both physically and spiritually. You can help them become more fit in their health and in their walk with Christ. Share your passion. Go to runforgod.com to find out how to inspire others to accomplish big things. So we're back, and you know, it's funny. We're sitting here talking about light bulb, how... 
all things, all times. God never wants us to be turned off. And you, you didn't look when I said, but I'm sitting here staring at a light bulb, and it's the J103 logo, and <laughs> J103's tagline is shining the light. And so I just think that's cool that we're sitting here talking about this and, and we're their in studio. Their studio. Pretty yeah, awesome. Pretty cool, yeah. It's a coincidence, I'm sure. Hey, so we recently had a triathlete, of all people, break the 5K road record in Britain. How crazy was that? That's awesome. Beth Potter, she ran 1441. Which is and that's fast. Run. That is very fast. Here's the interesting thing. She finished 40th overall in that race. I don't know if you went back and looked at the results of that race. 40th. There were 39 people who ran faster than 1441 <laughs> that day. Now, I mean, they were all men, obviously, but... Um, yeah, Johnny Brownlee, who's also a triathlete, yeah. he was fourth in the race, and he ran 13.52. So, that is uh, insane. <laughs> so, what kind of race was it? I didn't even I didn't even look at. I just saw that she did it. But what kind of what kind of race has 50 people under 15 minutes? It was just it's just a local road race that they have there in Britain. I don't That's know. It's not that just much. a local road I, race. There's I, yeah, something more. Well, than that. <laughs> yeah, obviously they get the elite folks there somehow. Uh, it's just uh, and obviously it's a really really fast course, and so that's part of the reason why people like to run that one. And so, how common is it? I'm I'm looking at Jonathan Brownlee's time 13:52. I don't even know the answer to this. How how common is sub 14 in the professional arena is that pretty in, in common? road races or in on the track because on the track it's not that impressive really yes wow i mean on the on the track now to be world class you've got to probably run 13 20 wow uh, and you know i mean the world record is 12 40 something now 12 30 something 12 37 i think yeah. it is so that no, was is that chapter guy chapter guy yeah Wow. So, so yeah, thirteen fifty two. It is fast. Don't get me wrong, and it's very rarely done on roads. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you just don't see people breaking fourteen minutes on the roads, because most professionals they don't run very many five Ks. So let's get into the the debate a little bit. I don't think I don't think we really debate this. I think we look at it a little bit different. You know, the concept of triathletes and the cross training, and they don't have as much volume as pure runners you know I, I know of two people Lane's age who are state champs who are triathletes what state do you running tra- champs. state running tra- cross country champs yeah, yeah. How, what do you think contributes to that because I, I think there's two trains of thought I think one we kind of bounce around that they their variety of training is actually good they're not putting in all the miles that pure runners are and therefore they're more healthy I think for this age group I think it's the fact a lot of it is that they're just training all year long where most especially high school runners well the the elite ones are they're training all year long what what do you think is leading to somebody like Beth Potter breaking the world record and she's not running like the elite runners I wouldn't think because she's a triathlete. She's an elite triathlete. Johnny Brownlee, I mean, he's smoking fast. What? You think there's anything to the cross-training, the swimming and the biking going along with it? Yeah, I think absolutely, because I think when you train, you're training a couple – you're actually training several different things. And one of those things is just the ability to keep an intensity level up for a certain period of time. Well, you're getting that training on the bike, and you're getting that training in the pool – you're training the engine. Yeah, yeah, that's what we always say in, in, in triathlon. That's kind right. of triathlon lingo for sure. Yeah, and, and I and I think there's a lot of 
there's absolutely a lot of truth to that. Now, I still think, um, well, I mean, here you had, you had a world record. Again, it's at an odd distance. Mm -hmm. I don't see a triathlete setting the 10K road world record. Right. I mean, that could happen. I don't see that happening because I still think you have to be dedicated to running to be the best runner. But I mean, the fact that they get so close. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're running, I don't know. I don't know Less what than distance. Half the number of miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah on half yeah. the miles. So that's, yeah, I don't know. You but know, again, think about it. The reason why you're running, okay, if a, if, a, if a professional athlete, let's say they run 100 miles a week, okay, and these people are running 50 or 60 miles a week. Well, that second half of that 100 miles a week is really endurance endurance related miles. miles. And you're getting that in the pool and on the back. Right, yeah. Right, right. So without the risk of the injury. That's the, you're exactly right. Yeah. So, so. yeah. And I, and you, you know, you and I've had this discussion before. I was not a big believer in triathletes being great runners at mm -hmm. one time. I was now I, I still think it's better to only run if you sure. want to be the best runner you can right. be. But my eyes have sure been opened as to just how uh, impressive these folks can be. And we see it all the time. We see folks who run faster at the end of a triathlon for a 5K than they do in an open 5K. Nick Holmes. Yep. One of Lane's competition. He's. Yep. <laughs> and it makes no I sense I think his to me. PR is off the bike. His PR in a 5K is off the bike. Yeah. Um, and that. I can't explain. <laughs> I just can't explain that. Yeah, and I just don't know if it if it's how some people's engines are warmed up. You know, one of your girls years ago, I, I don't know if she she hasn't been on a bike in a while, but Rebecca, yeah, she was always faster off the bike, and we always just attributed it to she probably just didn't warm up in an open running situation. Like, but you know when. 10k or 20k on the bike is a great warm-up for a yeah. run it you mm -hmm. you've got the engine hot yep. and ready to run after that so yeah i don't know it's interesting it was it was cool to see beth break that yeah yeah well we're you know gwen jorgensen is an interesting of course she's had some some setbacks mm -hmm. but you know she's still trying i guess i assume she's still trying she is to yeah. make the olympic marathon team at some point in time because uh, she was a great, obviously a gold medal winner in the Olympics in triathlon and is trying to be a runner. But she was a world-class runner before. before triathlon. Well, she wasn't world-class. Well, not, well. But she was very good. She, yeah. She's very, very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. That, that's why she was, she was recruited in the college recruitment program yeah. because she was a great runner and swimmer. She had never been on a bike in her life. But it was always funny to watch Gwen race, especially in her early races. She got better in the water and the bike later on in her career just before she won the gold medal. But those early races, it was hilarious. It was about like watching you do a triathlon. Yeah. yeah. You know, she would come out of the water just way back because she absolutely was terrible at swimming early on. Yeah. <laughs> she got off the bike, and it was like if you didn't have a five-minute lead on her, you were getting beat yeah. because she would absolutely annihilate people in the run, and that was that was kind of like you. That was a lot of fun to watch. It was. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of controversy about this particular Beth Potter record, um, and I say controversy. I don't know. It, there weren't any doping people there, so they don't. You've know got whether, your haters. Well, we don't know whether they're going to certify it or not because right. in order to certify, you're supposed to have the anti-doping people there, and they didn't because probably 
they didn't expect anybody to set a world record here. So, uh, so it may not be. May have they may not sanctioned it properly and all that. But the bottom line is, we know the the course is accurate. But the caliber of the people they had there. I mean, we just said it. There was fifty people run sub whatever. Yeah. Fifteen. Why would you? Why would you not think that that was a possibility with that caliber of field there? Well, Makes the, you scratch your head. Yeah. Well, the yeah. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, if you're Shame spending that much money to get that caliber of field there, you think you'd yeah, a few thousand call the more. Olympic yeah. Committee or whoever the governing body is and say, hey, send us a, <laughs> some test kits. For sure. Uh, I didn't realize this until after I looked into all this, that the 5K road record has only been recognized since 2018. Yeah, you mentioned that the other day. So that's a, that's kind of a brand new thing. In the past, the 5K was considered, that's 5K is the fun run distance. And we don't really we don't really look at that professionally, mm-hmm. and only recently have people tried to get out there and run super fast five Ks. <coughs> um, so yeah, weird, I think. Um, <coughs> the interesting thing about Beth is that the reason why she became a triathlete is because she was a runner who couldn't find sponsors to sponsor her running, and now she's set the world record. And now she's a world I record bet, holder. I bet that guy. <laughs> Whatever sponsorship firm she got denied by, I was, you oh, know, yeah. thinking nah, I messed up. Yeah, she gets her pick now. It's kind of like, uh, was it? Help me out with the marathoner, the, the older guy who dominated what? Meb. Meb. Kapleski. It's kind of like when Meb left whatever shoe company and went to. Sketchers. Sketchers. Yeah. Then he won the Boston Marathon. And you, yeah. You're thinking, because they thought he was done. Right. He's he's old news, and then he gets a new shoe brand, and he wins the Boston Marathon. And, and, a, and, and what, what, where, where was he? Was he at Nike? Or Reebok? Or? I, I, want, I don't think it was Nike, but I, I don't remember. It was one of the big ones. Yeah, it was. You, one you know that board meeting, somebody was getting looked at saying, what did you do? <laughs> Why did you let him go? They just legitimized <laughs> their competition is what they did. Skechers, yeah. Skechers. I mean, before Skechers. Meb, it was like, nobody runs in Skechers. Yep, yep. That's, that's a great yeah, story. Yeah, Meb and it. Go Run now are just synonymous. I love that story. Trivia question for this week. The 1904 Olympic Marathon was held in St. Louis. It was the first in the United States. The marathon was crazy for several reasons. Just tell me just one of those reasons. Because there's a bunch. When you start digging into this one, you're going to go, really? Because this is an interesting story. Google the 1904 Olympic marathon and learn about it. It's fascinating. Now, you got to send the answer. Number one, you got to be a Run Club member. And you got to send the answer to dean at runforgod.com. Not messenger, not customer service. You've got we've had we've had more than one person do that. It needs to be it needs to be sent to dean at runforgod.com along with your t-shirt size. And if you're the first one to give the right answer, then we'll send you a run club box. And I'll tell you this: if you haven't gone out, I get a lot of messages from folks saying these are so interesting to go back and to research these mm-hmm. things. If you haven't researched any until now. You want to read about this one. Yeah. This one's fun. All right. So here's why running is so awesome. You can chase yourself. (laughs) 
You know, we're always trying to do better than our last time out, right? It's all about being the best version we can be of ourselves. I think Dean Carnazza said that when we mm-hmm. interviewed him. We want to be the best version of ourselves. And, and running allows you to do that. There's a lot of sports that don't really allow you to do that because it, it relies on a lot of other people or there's lots of different reasons. Uh, we don't have to be better than somebody else in running to be satisfied with running. Um, just, a, just a PR. Or, the you know, I just turned 55. Just having my fastest time as a 50, you know over 55-year-old is satisfying. Uh, so it's like you reset every five years. Um, and I guess it, it, it's a little bit like golf, um, you know, in that you can try to – because golf's the same way. You know, as you get older, you, you, don't, you don't play golf as well, but you can be excited about doing well for today mm-hmm. and beating yourself from yesterday. And um, the difference is, is that running really keeps you fit at the same time, which yeah. is an awesome byproduct. You know, I just, I'm thinking out loud here, and you may say, no, you're wrong. <clears throat> running as an adult, how many other sports is the amateur field as an adult bigger than the pro field? I mean, as adults in the sport of football, if you're not in the NFL, there's really no place for you. It's true. If you're not in the NBA, there's really no place for you other than a pickup game here and there. Yeah. But the amateur field in the sport of running is much bigger than yeah. the professional field. So that should tell us something. There's there's that, room for you here, no matter your speed. That is true. That is true. Our motivational thought of the week. <clears throat> this comes from Nikita Gill, who's a poet. And it is, the people who consider you weak have not yet noticed the wolf hiding behind your eyes, nor the flames inside your souls. Let them think you are weak and do what wolves and fire do best. Surprise them when they least expect it. I like that. Isn't that good? That's awesome. Uh, we all like it when we surprise those people who don't believe in us, right? We've all had that that situation where we're going to try something, people don't believe we can do it, and then we do it. And you just you, we don't want to be cocky about stuff, but we really want to stick our chest out and go, yeah, yeah. And it's there's a certain extra element of satisfaction. Yeah, it's kind of it. like I used to tell my boys all the time: be the kid who doesn't say much, so that when he does, people yeah. listen. And that's kind of like that. I mean, it's. Make a statement when you make a statement. Yeah. Don't. I've got a. I like, I like this. I've got a girl who runs on my team um, who she was told by other people that she would never be able to be a collegiate runner. And she has worked her tail. She's a freshman. For this last year, she's worked her tail off to try to be the best she can be. And she has come a long way. I joke with her all the time and I tell her, man, I remember that first day at practice. I was like. I was wondering if I should have let you on the team because it, it was not good. And now she's a key part of our team. That's awesome. And, and she's, she's worked so hard. And so now um, she's going to be able to go back to that person or those people who said, you'll never be a collegiate runner and go, well, not only am I a collegiate runner, but uh, I'm, I'm an important part of a collegiate team. I'm not just an also ran. I just That's awesome. I was the number six runner on the number eighteen team in the country. You know, I mean, she can she can go in and with some real teeth and say, "I did this," and and she deserves it because she worked hard. Yeah. So I've got a confession to make. So we record these podcasts like two weeks ahead of when they're aired. So you know. Your memory's worse than mine, but mine's getting worse and our age. And so 
we uh, this past Friday night um, we eat dinner with some of uh, some of the some rum club members who were coming to town and some of them came in early and we had a dinner and uh, Patrick Hawkins I had noticed earlier in the week that he went on Facebook on the rum club group and he said I did it <laughs> and I saw that and I was like what is he talking about? And then I saw somebody else said, I did it. And I'm like, what in the world are they talking about? Well, two weeks before, you and I were on a podcast, and right at the end, I don't know where it came from, but I said, share it, share this podcast with five people who need to hear it. Don't share it on social media. Text it to them. Send a personal text to five people who you think may need or want to hear this podcast. And then come on the Run Club and just say, I did it and nothing else. Well, these people were doing exactly what we asked to do, but I had (laughs) forgot what I asked. And even somebody said, they said, you you threw out a challenge on social media to do that. But they they couldn't remember exactly what the challenge was. I had to go back and listen to our podcast. To find out what I said, so <laughs> excuse that my mind is slipping in my older age. But let's throw that challenge out again, and I'll remember it this time. When I say, I'll give you a thumbs up on social media, letting you know that I remember it this time. <laughs> so share this podcast with five people, not on social media. If you want to do that too, that's great. Five people, send them a text and just say, "Hey, thought about you when I heard this today." Here's a podcast. And then go on the Run Club and say, I did it, and I will remember this time. Patrick, I will remember this time. <laughs> that's a great story. I love that. Uh, and that's, uh, listen, this aging thing, it's not for sissies. I'm just telling you. It is you. not. <laughs> so, yeah, make sure you're sharing with others. All right, everybody, you're doing a great job. Keep up the training. Keep focusing, and you're you're going to get to that 10K finish line before you know it, and then we're going to be moving on from there. So keep glorifying God and your running and everything that you do, and may God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.